You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. King of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. You may be seated. I'm, uh, whoa. <laughs> All right, everybody's awake now. This time the kids can be dismissed for Children's Church, so... Just, uh, if you're not sure where you're going, you can go. If parents, if you want your kids to remain in here, that's fine too. We're, we're, all, we're cool with whatever you want for your kids. All right. And then also, uh, we're going to, this time we'll take the, the morning offering. Uh, if you're visiting with us, don't feel obligated to give. What you could do though, I mean, we're really happy you're here. What you could do is if you could take one of those communication cards that's in the back of the seat in front of you and fill that out, let us know how you found out about us. That'd be awesome. If you don't want to uh, like deal with a bag <laughs> coming in front of you or whatever in terms of giving, we offer, you, know, you can give online, you can give, there's a box back there. Um, you can do it that way as well. We're just trying to get back to normal and that's, that's the latest that we kind of put back in, into practice. It's the giving. All right. So before I get started, I have another thing I want you to do. Um, so we've, I don't know exactly how many weeks I have left in Daniel, but we're wrapping it up. Like we're in Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to address the whole chapter today, and then we got two chapters after that. So we're, we're coming to the end of, of Daniel. I've been working on a sermon series uh, titled Songs. Now, what that sermon series will be is basically I'm going to, I've picked a song, or in the process of picking a song, and a secular song, and the criteria is that it had to be written or had to been have re- released during the pandemic. And then I have I am picking a psalm in the Bible that speaks into the message of that song. You tracking with me? But I need your help. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and I will, I'll continue to ask for your help. Um, I. I need you, and you, if you don't want to assign your, like, have your name on the card when you do this, because maybe you're like, I, I, I don't want the pastor to know what song I really love, um, that's okay. You don't have to put your name. Uh, you can if you want, but 
I want you to, if you could think of it, sometime between now and whenever, uh, we'll start that sermon series in September, uh, to write down your favorite song that meets the criteria of it was written in response to the pandemic or it came out sometime during the pandemic. It cannot be a Christian song. It has to be a secular song. And it's got to be a song that... uh, that, that I can use in church, so it can't like be dropping the F-bomb every other word or whatever, okay? So like, is it, and that's been hard. Like, I did this sermon series before, uh, a similar series before at the church I planted in Colorado, and I can't believe how different the songs are compared to then and now. Like, I, was, I, I wanted to have like a song for each genre of music. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I can't use any of these, like, this is nuts. So, um, but I did find some songs, and um, so I'm looking for something in the hip hop category. Just <laughs> so you know, uh, rock maybe. It could be anything, really. All right. So, if you can do that, that'd be awesome. All right. I cannot use any more of my time. I need to preach. All right. Daniel chapter 10. Good morning, by the way. You know, when we get in, like Daniel 10 is one of those sections of scripture where the curtain is kind of pulled back just ever so slightly for us to get a glimpse into a very real world that, is, that surrounds us. And I'm talking about the spiritual realm of angels and demons and just, it is real. It is as real as the chair you're sitting, sitting on. It's not fairy tale, it's legit, it's real. Uh, from the opening pages of the Bible to its final chapter is a story about God's redemptive plan, his plan to make all things new and to, and to rescue sinners from their sins and, and to deal with the curse of sin. That's the story of the Bible. Like every, from, from Genesis chapter 1 to, to the final chapter of Revelation, it's all about Jesus, right, last time. Uh, we looked at, at Daniel chapter 9 when I uh, preached a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's all about Jesus. But the, 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 the Bible begins, in the first two chapters, the Bible begins with creation, where God just spoke everything into existence. And he, and he ended creation uh, on the sixth day with the creation of male and female in his image. Uh, he created them. That's what we're told in, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And then the Bible closes in the last two chapters of the Bible, of Revelation 21 and 22, it closes with new creation. That God is going to resurrect this earth, and that the, that the people of God, all those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus on the cross, believed in his, in, in his work that he did on the cross and his resurrection, that we will experience a resurrection also, and then we will see God face to face on a new earth. That's how it ends. But, but in between, with sandwiched in between those chapters, is, the, is that there is a legitimate, real war on a cosmic scale that is happening all around us. And Daniel 10 just gives us a glimpse into that. If you're wondering, well, okay, so Daniel chapter 10, I see that. How, is there any other place in the Bible? Yes, there is. I, there are a lot of passages I could use to show this to you. I just picked three, and I'm just going to point your attention to those the words will be on the screen. And by the way, if you have a Bible with you, you might want to turn open to Daniel chapter 10 or with your digital device, or you can use a Bible from the seat in front of you or around you. Um, 
Or just take your neighbor's Bible. Just like, give me that. No, don't do that. All right, so Ephesians chapter 6. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So that's Ephesians. One of these days I'm going to preach through the epistle to the Ephesians, and chapter 6 is just loaded. It's, it's really a great passage. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's 2 Corinthians. And then First uh, Peter. Let's read this together. Ready? Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Like, Satan is described as a roaring lion. Somebody said that the lion, the lion that roars the loudest is the one with no teeth. I don't know how true that is, but when it comes to Satan, that's true. Uh, that he is powerful, but he's not all powerful. When it comes to who God is, he is on a, Satan is on a long leash. He's on a leash, and God holds that leash, and he uses Satan for his uh, redemptive purposes, but he's on a leash nonetheless. And so what I want to do is, as we is just work through this passage, we don't only had like, one-third of the, of the chapter read. You'll have to read the rest of it on your own time, just for the sake of time. But I want to point out three things to you. And this, the first, I just want to start off by just saying right from the beginning that this spiritual war, this, I mean, this war that's rages around us is not only spiritual, or it's not just spiritual. Like, there is... There, there is a, there's the, the side of the emotions when we're suffering and dealing with hard stuff in our lives. There... There are diseases and disabilities that are not all related to the spiritual realm. Like, sometimes you just, I mean, people get sick. Um, there's a local pastor who, last I heard, he's, he's been on a ventilator for, for two weeks. He's the pastor, lead pastor at Beacon Hill Church with COVID. Like, that's, that's not because, you know, demons are trying to, silence him, or I don't think that's the reason why. It, sometimes he just gets sick. And I, I visited with my friend Mike, who many of you, you know, heard me talk about, who suffered a traumatic brain injury. I was with him on, on a Friday, and when I walked in there, uh, I asked him, you know, how you doing? And, and he said, man, I'm, I'm just depressed. I'm, like, I'm sad, because I can't, I can't see my kids when I want to see them. You know, he's at Craig Hospital, and he's not allowed out of Craig Hospital because of how serious his injury, you know, is. And, uh, you know, I get it. Now, I do think demons and, and just the, the spiritual side of things, you know, that, that uh, you know, when we're depressed or when we're sick or when we're, like, grieving, like, like that can make all of that even worse. And sometimes we, we, we give in to sins that maybe you might not give into because of the depression, but not the, but the spiritual warfare around us is not it's not just spiritual. 
Like, I mean, we, we battle some real stuff. Daniel was dealing with some really real stuff. We're told in the first verse of chapter 10, in the third year of Cyrus, king, the, the, you know, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel. And so what happened between the first year of Cyrus and the third year of Cyrus? Well, the first year of Cyrus, Cyrus made a decree. He said, okay, you, you, you know, all the Jews, can, the Hebrew people, you, you can go back to Jerusalem. And you could start rebuilding Israel. You're allowed to do that. He made a decree in his first year. The second year, uh, those who decided to, to, to go started um, the sacrificial system, which was central to the worship of God's people in the Old Testament. And so they were doing that. And in, in the third year, Daniel was 90 years old. Like I mean, the, where Babylon was, and now Persia kind of overtook that, um, to, where, to where Israel or Jerusalem was, it's a long journey. When you're 90 years old, you're not going to survive that journey. So, so if you had just put yourself in Daniel's place, he, here he is, all his life, he had longed to go back to the land that he was born in, the land of his forefathers. And now he's at a point in his life where he's unable to do that, just physically impossible for him to do that. I think that weighed heavy on his heart. And so as we read on, uh, in verse 2, it says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. He was grieving. He was mourning for three weeks. And he was doing a partial fast where he, there were certain choice meats and certain things that he didn't eat and didn't drink. And in, in that region, it was very dry. I mean, Wyoming, I feel, is pretty dry. And so he decided not to put, he wasn't going to put any lotion on his skin so that he could be comfortable. Why? Because he was, he was praying and mourning over his people and, and their experience. He was identifying with them uh, in a very physical way. And uh, it's interesting when you get into like verse, verse 4, it says, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the Tigris River, well, what was he doing along the Tigris? I have no idea. We're not told. But but the timing is very interesting because this is 10 days after Passover. So if you do the math, he was fasting and mourning all through the Passover celebration while some of his kinsmen were in Jerusalem celebrating Passover. That had to be hard on him. That had to be difficult. Have you, have you ever, like, ever wanted to be at a place and it was just physically impossible for you to get there where your family was or where your relatives were? Anybody? Did you ever find, I mean, that's difficult when you feel stuck. Yesterday was my friend Mike's birthday. And the thing that he, from, so his injury happened on June 11th at a NASCAR event um, and, and had not seen all of, his, all of his four kids together at the same time. So he just wanted to see his kids. So yesterday he got to see all four of his kids as they celebrated his birthday outside in the little, there's a little park area that belongs to Craig Hospital, which was really great. I asked him, how, how was your day yesterday? He said, it was really good to see my kids. Uh, Daniel wanted to be back in Jerusalem. And, uh, and so we're told he was mourning. Why was he mourning? I think there were several reasons why, not just because he wanted to be back in Jerusalem, but I think he was mourning because even though the Hebrew people were given this hall pass to go back to their land, the land of their fathers, most of them decided to stay in Babylon because they were just comfortable. They didn't want to go back. You know, Daniel wanted to go back and couldn't. 
He was looking at his, his people around him like, what, you know, why would you not want to go back? And so I think that was part of the reason. The other reason was that, um, that Jerusalem, they had been, a remnant of the Hebrew people were in Jerusalem and things were pretty slow in getting started. That was the other thing. And, um, and it was Passover. And he was just identifying with the suffering of his people. You, you know what Passover is, right? I mean, why did they celebrate Passover once a year? To remember how God delivered his people from the bondage of Egypt and delivered them into the promised land. It also served to remind the people of Israel of God's redemptive purposes and that he's moving all of history, all of human history, into a, in a direction that will culminate to uh, a new earth and, and, and the life that we were meant to, to experience with God. And so I think for those reasons, he was mourning. And, um, and it, I, I think for those reasons, it was difficult on him. And so he was, you know, he was praying, and he was just seeking God, and he was identifying with the people of God. And, and this leads me to the second point, and that is that the war, the spiritual realm, this war that's happening around us between angels and demons, uh, it's real. It's real. We're told that Daniel lifted up his eyes um, in, these, in these passages. He lifted up his eyes and he saw this angel. Uh, and this angel was overwhelming to him. It says, in verse 5, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a man clothed in linen. He had this belt of fine gold around him and around, you know, around his waist. His body was like burrow. His face you know, was like the appearance of lightning. And, and what was Daniel's response into seeing this, this being? Fear. He was petrified. He fell face first into the dirt, you know, um, which gives us some uh, idea about, the, uh, about just the overwhelming um, nature of God's holiness. Like God created this angel, and this angel in the presence of Daniel is just a, it's just a, a taste for Daniel to experience the holiness of the presence of God. And his response was not run up and give the angel a hug. <laughs> his response was, uh, "Man, I should be dead," or I, you know, he put his face in the dirt. And what was it that the angel said? I, I love this. It was repeated multiple times to Daniel. And this is not the only chapter where Daniel had to be reminded of this. But the angel, the first words that came out of the angel's mouth was, Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Daniel had to be reminded that he was great love. Think about it. Like, like this is something I think we need to be reminded of. Why, how is it that, or why is it that we tend to forget this? That in light of our circumstances or what's happening around us, when, it does, when things do not go our way, we tend to assume that God doesn't love us because of the suffering or pain that we find ourselves in. Like things didn't go the way we wanted them to go. Mike was at a NASCAR event. He was in the bed of a pickup truck, and they were driving slowly, and he, was, and he shouldn't have been standing on a thing, but he, he was, and, and the truck either stopped really quickly or turned really quickly, and he fell out. He was the only person that fell out and landed directly on his head. And not only suffered a traumatic brain injury, but uh, suffered a pretty nasty uh, fracture on his vertebrae, broke nine ribs, and broke his clavicle bone. Why did that happen to Mike and not anybody else? You know, that would be a, a legitimate question for Mike to ask. And we tend to assume that because this happened to me, God must not really love me. 
And Daniel, because like all his life, he wanted to be in Jerusalem, and he could not go. And so the first thing that this messenger uh, assured Daniel of is that you are greatly loved. The God who spoke the galaxies into existence, Daniel, is for you and not against you. And some of you here need to hear that today. Like if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you need to hear that God is for you and he is not against you, regardless of the circumstances that have happened in your life and regardless of what people have said to you in your past, God is for you and he's not against you. And the second thing that the angel told Daniel was to fear not. Why would he say that? Because if the God who spoke the galaxies into existence is for you and loves you and is not against you, what is it that you really have to fear? Now, I, I get it. Like, you, you'd be frustrated and not, you, you don't like the circumstances you find yourself in, but, but what is it that you really have to fear? I mean, that, those are the reasons why Jesus assured his disciples, knowing, knowing what they would experience, all of them except for one would die horrific, violent deaths as a result of their faith. John would suffer pretty horrifically as a result of his faith. And before any of that happened, Jesus told them, some of you they will kill, but not a hair on your head will perish. This war is real. And uh, in verses 11 through 12, the angel tells him, he says, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I've come because of your words. Like Daniel had been praying for three weeks longer, like we learned in chapter 7. He was repenting of of his sins and praying that God would forgive the sins of of his kinsmen, of 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 the Hebrew people. He had spent a lifetime praying. And sometimes when, when we pray and we don't, don't get the answer that we want or it seems like there's no answer at all, we assume God's not hearing me. Like, is he even out there? Is he even, is he even paying attention? And this angel tells Daniel, your words have been heard. You know why your words have been heard, Daniel? Because you're greatly loved. You are loved by the God of all creation. He is aware of your circumstances. He knows exactly what you're experiencing, how you're feeling, and what you're going through right now. I just want you to know that, Daniel, before I, before I you know, tell you the answer to your, to your prayers, which is chapter 11, by the way. That's next Sunday. <clears throat> but So he says, fear not. Your words have been heard. And here's the crazy thing. We come to verse 13. And I wish we had more time to talk about verse 13. We don't, but I'll say a few things about it. It says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. This is the angel telling Daniel, hey, this is why it's taken so long for me to get to you, Daniel. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, he's the archangel, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I was left there with the kings of Persia. What is he talking about? He said, there is a demon... in Persia, who represented Persia, who did not want you to hear this message that I'm about to tell you in chapter 11, and that's why it took me this, this amount of time to get to you. And there are some things that, that I think we can learn from this, from this one verse. 
I'll list four. There's lots that I think you can learn from this verse, but the first is this, is that there seems to be a ranking system both with angels and demons. Did you know that? Like, don't think when I say angel, some little baby, naked baby with a harp, or Tom and Jerry, or something like that. These angels are, I mean, well, we even see it right here in chapter 10. Daniel sees his angel, and he's like flat on his face as a result, in fear. There's a ranking system of both angels and demons. Um, Secondly, the, the, the prince of Persia was a demon who was able to postpone God's messenger, an angel, from getting to Daniel sooner. The, the demon of Persia was a high-ranking demon who was powerful enough to delay God's messenger for three weeks, but no longer, <laughs> which tells us something about this. And I, I said this earlier, that that demons and Satan operate under the realm and reign of God's sovereign will. God is in the business of taking that which is ugly and evil, and he is able to turn it around to accomplish his redemptive purposes. You need to hear that. Like whatever you've experienced, as horrific as it is, God can turn it around into something beautiful. You might not believe it right now, and it might be, that might be hard for you to hear, but he is in the business of doing it. If you doubt that, just look at the cross of Jesus Christ, the ugliest thing that mankind ever perpetrated on another human being, God turned around for, into something beautiful, and that's the reason why you're sitting here today. Okay, So um, this, prince, uh, this prince of Persia, this demon was able to, to delay this messenger of God, this angel, for three weeks, but that is all that he was able to do. That was all that he was able to do. No more. Uh, the third thing is that while struggling to be free from the prince of Persia, the archangel Michael had to um, come and, and overpower the prince of Persia so that the message could get to Daniel. Uh, that's legit. Like There were demons, apparently, that are stronger than some angels. And this angel needed help from the strongest angel of them all, Michael. And then you know, the fourth thing is that the interaction between the prince of Persia, the, that the, you know, and the angel that, the, that was sent by God to Daniel, and Michael, who freed him up from the angel, or freed up the angel from being further delayed in reaching Daniel, speaks to the conflict that exists around us. Listen, demons are real, angels are real. And, uh, and, and just because your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ doesn't give you the permission to disrespect angels or demons. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, uh, they will mess you up. Like, they've got power and strength, but they also can only operate within the authority of God. Like, there's a story in Acts where these guys heard about the Apostle Paul, and that he could go in and cast out demons. And so they went into, they thought, well, we can do this. We can make, we can make a name for ourselves. This, this sounds like a, a good idea. It was not a good idea. So they go in, and they try to cast out the demon, or demons. And the response to this demon-possessed individual, the demons speaking through this demon-possessed individual, is like, we know who Paul is. And like, yeah, we've heard of Jesus. We know Jesus, but who are you? And that's like the uh-oh moment. This was a bad idea. Um, and they beat the snot out of this person, these people, and uh, they fled the house naked. 
I mean, anytime you're scared and you're fleeing and you don't have any more clothes on because you got beat up so bad, that's a bad day for you. It was a bad day for them. Um, Demons are powerful. They're strong, but they're not all powerful. Um, And so if you're wondering, well, is this the only place in, in Daniel chapter 10 where kind of the curtain is kind of pulled back a little bit so we can see what's going on in, in the spiritual realm. No, there are other examples. Uh, the first two chapters of Job, we're told that Satan was able to stand before God in heaven and ask permission from God to bring harm to Job. God, uh, this, this man who was just devoted to God and loved God, was a man of God, and God said, you, you can do Whatever you feel you need to do, but you cannot, you cannot kill this man. And so that's the story of Job. Because um, Satan thought, well, yeah, well, I could get him to totally rebel against you. I could get him to turn his back on you. And God said, try. So that's the first two chapters of Job. Uh, in Second Kings, which I, I think this is such an awesome story, chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, uh, you can read the whole chapter. It's pretty, pretty interesting but what was going on was in Israel, there uh, around the, I believe, Samaria, the Samaria, 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 Samaria? anyway, that area, um, they, uh, the army of Israel was surrounded by the army of Syria, and the, and the Syrian army vastly outnumbered, you know, the, they were just going to, they were going to level um, the army of Israel. And so that's where we pick up with this story in verse, in Second Kings chapter six, beginning with verse fifteen. It says, "When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. That's Syria. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do?' And he's speaking to Elisha, the prophet. He said, "Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them." I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I see nobody. Like, what have you been smoking? Like, that's. Like, I don't see nothing. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know what the army of Syria did? They left, and they did not come back. That's what we're told in the story. You're like, well, that's fine. That's in the Bible. That doesn't happen today. Yes, it does. There's a story of a missionary um, who <clears throat> they were, he and his family were there to reach this people group. And he had learned that the, uh, the head of a certain tribe, were, they were going to murder this missionary and his family. They were going to kill him. And, and it was going to happen that night. And so he and his family prayed through the night. And when they woke up, when, well, they didn't go to bed, but when, when morning dawned, they saw that their house that was once surrounded by this tribe was no longer surrounded by the tribe they had left. Uh, Years had gone by, and one of the members of that tribe, I think the head of the tribe, uh, wound up becoming a Christian, wound up hearing the gospel, placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so the missionary asked him, why why was it that you never killed us? We were told that you were going to kill us. What, What happened? And he said, well, when we came, the men in white garments holding shiny swords far outnumbered us. We turned away. That happened. Like, that, like, that stuff happens. Now, you might not see you know, an angel physically in your lifetime. Maybe you will. The Bible says in Hebrews, says, you know, 
be careful. Uh, you know, when in, uh, entertaining strangers unaware, you may be entertaining angels. Like the angels can disguise themselves as individuals. You don't know, but they're real. In Revelation chapter 12, we're told how Satan tempted or attempted to lead a rebellion in heaven against God, and he convinced one third of all the angels to follow him. Those angels are now demons. And, um, and Satan was cast down to earth along with most of the demons. Some of those demons were put in a place, a type of prison, and they're there until the day that God will judge them. Uh, there are some things that we learn about the Bible about Satan and demons that I feel like I need to share with you because right? we need to have a healthy respect of them. I don't think we need to fear them, but I think we have to have a healthy respect of them. And so some of the things we learn about, the, about Satan and the demons, and by the way, this is all in my manuscript. You can download it and find all the verse references. For the sake of time, I'm not going to tell you the references. But Satan was God's guardian cherub, formerly known as Lucifer. He was expelled from his rank and heaven due to his desire to be like God. <laughs> he kind of tempted Adam and Eve. You know, you can be like God. Well, he, he was, um, that, temp that, that idea came from him. Satan is the prince of demons and mobilizes them to accuse the saints, that's us, and he leads his demons into rebellion against God. Satan, like any other angel, is limited in power. You need to hear that. He's limited in his power, and he can be, um, he can be resisted by Christians. He is subject to the sovereignty of God and one day will experience a final defeat and be thrown into the lake of fire by God. Here's the thing that you need to know about Satan. Satan is too busy with other things than to pick on you. Like, he can't be everywhere at the same time. He has demons, probably thousands and thousands of demons under his command that can pick on you. But uh, Satan cannot be everywhere at the same time. Like I said, he's on a leash. He's on a long leash. God holds that leash. He can't just do anything that he wants to do. He's also known, called the prince of the power of the air. We're told in the Bible that we followed him. If you're not a Christian, the Bible says you still are following him today. If you are a Christian, you once followed him. Maybe not knowingly, but you followed him. And then angel, demons like angels are spirit beings who the Bible describes as unclean spirits evil spirits and spiritual forces of wickedness. Uh, demons promote rebellion, idolatry, and distort the truth. They distort, the, I mean, like this happened on, on Friday. I was sitting in a therapy session with my friend Mike. These are highly trained, super smart therapists and doctors that are surrounding Mike. Their whole business or their whole process is to help the brain develop. So they asked Mike a question. How many children do you have? Mike said four. I think that was kind of a, they knew the answer to that question. And as Mike started to talk about his kids, he talked about Joe, his youngest, his seven-year-old, who loves to ride dirt bikes. And he said, Joe is a man trapped in a seven-year-old boy's body. He just loves dirt biking. And um, maybe it's the other way. Maybe guys are like boys trapped in a man's body. I don't know. So your spouse, your, your, the female sitting next to you, if that's true of you, may be thinking that right now. Um, <laughs> it's the way it is with me with cycling. Anyway, so, and she, she said, the therapist said this. She said, well, our, my, our son uh, likes to play with trucks and everything, and we really tried hard not to. Listen, this, I was... There, when she said this, everything in me, I, I wanted to say something, and I, I couldn't because I was there for Mike, but 
uh, she said, we have done everything in our, uh, we can, could to be very careful about using gender-neutral language so as not to indoctrinate our boy with masculinity. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, it, where does that come from? It comes from hell. This idea that, that, that I, you know, I can be whatever I want to be, regardless of gender, it is not from God. It is not from God. And, and so here's this highly intelligent person. I just want to say, you know what kind of damage you're doing to your child. Like not indoctrinating your, kid, your boy in being a boy. Where does that come from? It comes from the demonic world. They distort the truth. They, cause physical, they can cause physical and emotional problems and can even possess humans. I do not believe demons can possess Christians. They can oppress them. And for some of you, you've given them an open invita invitation to oppress you. Um, and so that's what we learn of demons. Satan and his demons are active on earth only because God has allowed it for a time. And here's what else you need to hear. Satan and his demons are powerful, but unlike God, they are not all powerful. Like every time a demon crossed paths with Jesus in the Gospels, do you know what their response was? Terror. <laughs> they were petrified of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, read the Gospels, any of the Gospels, and you'll, you'll see that. And what the book of Daniel teaches us is threefold. I want you to hear this. I'm going to read it because it's not my, I didn't come up with this. I read this in a book and I thought, man, this is so good. Um, the devil is against us, the world is around us, the, and the flesh is within us, collaborating to defeat us in our Christian walk. Did you hear that? So uh, the devil is against us, the world is around us, and the flesh is within us, collaborating to defeat us in our Christian walk. So true. But I'm convinced that our most common enemy, the one that you and I are dealing with most frequently and most often, is not demons and it's not Satan, not even the world, it's your own flesh. It's your own flesh, just caving into it. And you're just making it easy on demons and the world. You're just making it easier on them. The world is at odds with, the, with what God loves and cares about and is the reason why it is so opposed against the, the things of God. Like this idea that you could just recreate yourself in, some, in, in a way that God, um, that God didn't do, like, like, like as if God made a mistake. It's not from God. Um, the devil and his demons use the world and use our flesh against us, but for many Christians, they, they don't have a whole lot of, I mean, their, their work's not really hard. We make it easy on them. Here's a verse from 1 John chapter 2. I want us to read this together. Ready? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides for what? Forever. You know, this is, this is originally what happened in the Garden of Eden. Like, you know, what, what, how, how was Adam and Eve tempted? The desire of the flesh. Man, look at that fruit. That looks pretty good. 
the desires of the eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it. It's within reach. And the pride of life. I could be like God. I'm in. And uh, that lie has not changed. It just wears a different dress. Every generation, just different dress. And, um, and it's possible that you have bought into it. And then finally, and I'm going to do this in four minutes. All right, the war is God's fight. And this is kind of the application. Um, the crazy and scary things that we see happening in our world, do you think that there's no demonic influence behind any of that? There is. Like demons, you know, they play their part in the writing of legislation and laws, not just in America, all around the world. They are doing everything they can to resist the inevitable that Jesus Christ is going to come and he will judge the living and the dead and he will defeat all that is evil, he will balance the scales of justice and he will make all that is wrong with this world right. It's coming. But they're doing everything they can to prevent it. And we're told from the Bible why it is that people behave the way that they do. You want to know why people, in the, in the name of... of, of <laughs> of trying to build themselves up. They destroy their own communities. You, you want to know why that happens? You want to know why that lady uh, said what she said to my friend Mike? It's not, it's not, because, I, it's not because they think that, um, that they're tearing things down. The Bible tells us why. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, says this. Let's read this together, ready? In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's why. People are blind. And the only hope for America and for every other nation is the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. And, it got, and the church, that is us, God has called us to engage our world with the gospel because that is their greatest need. And the problem is, for many, the church does not, or the world does not see a whole lot of difference between the church and the world. We've given them no reason to believe in the power of the gospel. And this has been hard on me. Like, I, man, there were some pretty big pastors that I looked up to that have fallen. Like Ravi Zacharias is one of them. Um, and there have been others. And it's been, it's, been, um, it's been cause for me to examine my own heart, as it should be for each and every one of us in this room. Like the greatest gift that you can give to your family, men and women, is your own personal holiness. The best way you can serve your children, parents, is keep your eyes on Jesus. See? Somebody's calling to agree with me. All right. Um, I'm joking. Okay, there's a, there's a statement. I, it won't, the words won't be on the screen, but I thought this was so good. It's in a book that I read um, on, on uh, spiritual warfare in the Bible, but here, here's what this author says, or said in his book. So between the Bible's opening and closing chapters, it depicts a war that, uh, that's being fought on a cosmic scale, a war fought between God and the devil. This war is played out both in the spiritual realm and on the earth. It is not a fair fight, however. I love that. It is not a fair fight, however, because the war is not between two equals. The outcome is never in doubt. From the very beginning, the doom of God's archenemy, the devil, is certain. 
God's wisdom is demonstrated in his inscrutable plan to redeem humanity from their sin and establish a new heaven and a new earth, period. Like, it's not even a fight. I mean, like, we're told in the Bible, like, God's just going to speak, and then the devil's done. Um, And I can't wait for that day. And this God, the God of all creation, is for you and not against you. The God who spoke all things into existence and to whom all the nations and all the demons and all their power, power and might are compared to a drop of water in the hand of the Almighty. And it is that God who is for you. All the, 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 the vehement you know, scheming of, of the demonic and all the, the, the military might of the nations combined, the Bible says, is like a speck of dust on the scale of God's omnipotent will. He is going to, God is going to accomplish his plan. He's going to accomplish his plan. And uh, what you need to hear today, brothers and sisters, is you were greatly loved. You were greatly loved. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are greatly loved. Jesus told his disciples this. It's in John chapter 16. It's, and let's read this together, ready? You, you will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Who has conquered the world? Us? No. Jesus. Jesus. And this is why the Apostle Paul wrote what he wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 31. Let's see, let's see that one. Ready? Let's read it together because we need to hear this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Like, that, that's you, brothers and sisters. Like, you are loved with an everlasting love. God loves you infinitely, and therefore you have no reason to fear, regardless of what's, what's happening in your life. You have no reason to fear. And, and here's the rub, and this is, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Um, for some of you, and I don't have a face in mind. I don't, I'm not thinking of any particular person. I just feel like this needs to be said. For some of you, your problems are not due to the demonic realm. You have made it easy on the devil by loving the world and the things in the world. You have bought into a philosophy in, in, of this world in exchange for the wisdom of God that is found in his word. You, you, know, you hear what the world is saying, and then you read in here and like I, I don't like what I read in here I'm buying into what the world is saying and you've made it easy for the enemy for you to be defeated you've sought your satisfaction in your flesh instead of seeking your joy and contentment in God if you want to know why you feel defeated it is because you've decided to sit at the table of an enemy who wants to listen he wants to destroy you This world wants to destroy you instead of finding your life in the good shepherd who wants life for you. He wants life for you. He wants you to thrive. You want to know how to thrive? It's in here. Like when the Bible says, hey, don't do that. It's not because it's trying to kill your joy. It's not because God's a killjoy. It's because he wants you to thrive. Everything, everything about us is made to know him and to be known by him. And anything outside of that is death. And today is the day to choose who you will serve. Like, if you, if you follow Jesus, there's life there. 
if you follow the wisdom of this world and you're like, ah, I, this is fun over here. This is, this is going to satisfy me. You know where that's going to lead? Death. It will lead to death. This is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26, he said this to his disciples. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits its soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You'll find your life in Jesus. And today's the day to do that. For some, I don't know where, you're all, where all of you stand in your relationship with, with Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey, but I, I, you need to hear this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to have all your theological questions answered, but that you need to be settled on. And, um, and, and, and I don't know if you're a believer, if you're a follower in Jesus, and you've been like going down one road and you've been diving into whatever sin it is, and you know God has been telling you, the Spirit of God has been telling you, stop doing that, turn. Repentance is going one way and then turning and going another way. For some of you, you need to repent today. I, I don't know what it is. You do, and the Spirit of God does. And others of you, you just need to hear again that you are loved with an everlasting love and that there is no reason to fear. Um, at the, after the service has ended, if you want me to pray with you or anybody that was up here, the worship team, or maybe a friend that brought you here, if you need prayer, if you want to talk more about where, you know, where, where you're at in your spiritual journey, I, I'm going to be hanging out. I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, but I would compel you that before you leave these doors, if there's something you need to, to deal with before God, do it before you leave. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what we learned from Daniel chapter 10. Thank you, God, that we are on the winning team. In the end, we win because you win. And uh, you're accomplishing your redemptive purposes in your way and in your time for your glory and for our good. And so I thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.